That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tube Night, our generic TV show podcast. We're two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV and film, but we love watching shows and then talking about things while laughing at our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I've seen before. And I haven't, and I'm watching for the first time. And today, the episode we watched was episode two, which is very interestingly titled The Man Eater. Um, immediate thoughts off the bat from the title were, is this going to be something I'm going to be mad about? And it was, <laughs> yes, yes, I was. But <laughs> Not as bad as it could have been, I guess, is is my impression overall of this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, the man eater. Um, uh, I think you looked up something about <clears throat> the pilot episode not being the real pilot episode, and how this was basically the general audience at the time's first introduction to the world of Star Trek. Yeah. And it's an interesting choice for an introduction to a brand new series, which from my understanding and no research whatsoever was unique at the time, right? It wasn't necessarily a very common genre necessarily or a common style of popular mainstream TV show. So it's a unique type of show and a very interesting choice for how to welcome people into this brand new world, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, The Maneater is essentially um, the official pilot, I guess, of the show, and it opens on Captain Kirk, the captain that we all actually knew from before, unlike the one we spoke about in The Cage, who um, was a much more broody, less charismatic, less, like, quippy captain. Yeah. So we have Captain Kirk and Dr. Bones, um, beaming down onto this planet that looks quite dry and they're down there essentially for a routine annual checkup of human inhabitants of this planet and it happens to be that the couple who lives there professor carter and his wife nancy carter it happens that happens to be that his wife nancy is actually bones's ex and mm. that you know bones kind of semi still pines for her it looks like or is <laughs> quite fond of her <laughs> yeah it's great i love it because um we so a uh, market change from the the cage as a, a pilot episode so now we have captain kirk we have all of the just about all of the familiar characters we're actually missing Chekhov and uh, scotty but we've got the majority of the bridge crew already there in this episode um and we now have the addition of captain kirk's voiceover like he's relating the events of the episode to his space log um mm-hmm. so it, it's kind of nice because it, it sets the stage um a bit more and like you know we're gonna have a story time now um yeah. and uh and i think we we see pretty quickly uh the the rapport between bones and kirk because they're you know teasing each other about women and kirk saying like you you know you rushed us down here 10 minutes early and you know you should bring flowers and bones like is that how you get women you bribe them like <laughs> um i felt like you know very quickly we're seeing uh you know like a a, a friendship right there um mm-hmm. And I like that because I feel like in the in the cage, um, not to spend our entire time comparing to that episode, but you know it is darker. 
um much darker yeah. much darker the characters in the cage have just come out of a an encounter that's left several crew members dead pike is you know experiencing a kind of a crisis about his captaincy whereas you know in this episode it's kind of you know it's sort of lighthearted right off the bat that yeah we're going yeah. down to do a medical checkup and it's bones is old flame you know and oh this is fun like oh totally. we're teasing you you know and yeah. it's like more positive we're out for out for a bit of a fun adventure because it's yeah. we don't anticipate anything that's re- requiring us to be serious and worried and concerned whereas again I guess while we're on the subject of the cage just to get a few things out of the way um that one was framed as within like the first few minutes basically we're thrown into a rescue mission right so the, yeah. the tone is much more somber there's much more of an expectation of like tragedy almost because you're saving someone and or like you you're basically expecting to see these people on this planet that have been stranded for 18 years who may not be doing so well, right? So this is like trying to help people who have struggled for a while versus this is like a routine mission. We're just going to go check all these humans, make sure they're okay, which I think is both exceptional service, like, wow, traveling the entire universe to give everybody annual (laughs) medical checkup is quite the undertaking. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like, a little bit big brothery in a concerned way, I guess. I guess it doesn't matter if your intentions are good, but kind of does. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about forced medical checkups on an annual (laughs) basis for every human across the universe, which I think Professor Carter agreed with me about it being a little bit like but i'm fine why yeah like, um, <laughs> we just need salt god damn it um yeah i definitely yeah. got the impression um and maybe this is just because i've seen the series before i got the impression that like starfleet the the organization that the enterprise is is a part of um is somehow responsible or you know if not funding then at least supplying logistically the archaeological effort that is professor carter and his wife and so this feels more Mm -hmm. like just a condition of okay well you know if we're going to be doing supply runs we also want to make sure that you're healthy you know like um yeah again it is kind of big brothery of like you know yeah yeah i get that but like at the end of the day (laughs) especially today you know in like 2021 earth (laughs) yeah (laughs) medical autonomy is a thing that you know a lot of people have and a lot of people are fighting for so it's just like interesting to think about this in that context so like not to make it too serious of an issue but it was just kind of like a bit of like oh okay i guess this is what all these like highly qualified professionals do now is they go give medical checkups in these remote places and you know things like that happen in real life as well for sure but it was just a kind of an interesting premise for again if you were to think about it as a pilot like this is how you're introducing this like space adventure (laughs) as these people doing like bureaucratic space work which is yeah (laughs) interesting right yeah are you trying to get people to relate to it which i guess some people would (laughs) yeah well and i like because this was released in this episode would have aired in 1966 um and it's an american show it was made in the states um so i wonder how that played with audiences in 1966 like that i don't know enough about the the political climate of that time and how the average viewer would have seen you know medical checkups where like nobody there's no insur- there's no question of insurance or who's paying right it's just starfleet's coming yeah. to, to stick um, yeah. a tongue depressor down your throat open wide <laughs> yeah and it's interesting also to maybe think about while we're on the subject like who do we think would be the audience that would have tuned into a show like this yeah. and like would they yeah. represent a, a subset of the population that maybe is more on board with this kind of right you know social construct 
or a social yeah. sort of um, environment in the future or in this space world? Or like, is it actually a good representation of the breadth of how Americans were thinking at that time? Yeah. And my my guess would be it's probably the former, but again, I have no context. I'm like, I could, I'm sure I could look it up, but at the moment, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, it is, it is, you're right. It's very interesting to think about it in that way. And like the fact that you bring up tongue depressors is also interesting because like they've thought of all these like gadgets and stuff right. and there are medical devices and bones talks about how he likes doing the stuff the old-fashioned way which would right. also appeal to so many viewers at that time yeah. right because you do have a subset of the population that believes in like doing it the old-fashioned way because that somehow carries more merit with it and is like the real way versus right. like technology okay. is a cop-out yeah uh, like yeah. technology um yeah yeah um, yeah, they have interstellar travel, but he's still pulling out a little tongue depressor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it was pretty fantastic. But yeah, yeah, so they're on this planet now, and I also was like, uh, not amused, that's not the right word. I appreciated, I guess, the set, set, set up. Yeah. Um, there's like pyramid-like structures, and like you mentioned, it's an archaeological mission, but it's very Earth-like in its appearance, even yeah. though it isn't an Earth, Earth-like planet necessarily um and yeah so they have we have kirk and bones and another um crew member whose name i don't recall darnell um <laughs> darnell who's wearing a blue shirt darnell in the blue shirt which will become important in later episodes okay. <laughs> yeah you know i i remember you mentioning at one point just during one of our conversations that you know red shirts and yeah. i have seen red shirts i don't know who they are or what they mean but i am i am keeping an eye on the color of shirts um anyway so they've all uh, approached the entrance to this cave that i guess the carters are currently living in and they go in and they see nancy and it's an interesting like opening because i guess for us at least coming from the cage we're kind of prepared for things not being the way they seem quite right. well, right? Yeah. Like we have this in our mind, we're primed for this. Yeah. And so when Bones looks at his flame, X flame, um, she looks youthful and beautiful and she is a very beautiful woman, yeah. uh, but she looks quite young and, you know, through the conversations they have and he's like, you haven't aged a day. And it comes out basically that they were together over a decade ago. And so to him, the woman he's seeing hasn't aged a day since she was a decade younger, um, which I personally found interesting to think about because he looks quite old. Quite old. Um, <laughs> so taking ten he looks years a off a little of, sun of exposed. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> there's definitely a like yeah. May December vibe going on in this relationship. Yeah, very much so because she does. The actress who plays this character does look quite young. Yeah. Um, and so if you were to think of her 10 years prior to that, she would be early 20s, I would imagine. I'm terrible at yeah. guessing days. No, he but says like something young. about she looks like she's 25. Later when he's talking yeah. to the professor, he says something about her being 25. So it's like, okay, so she's supposed to be, you know, around 36, 37 now. Um, which and also doesn't compute. Yeah, which also there's definitely some discrepancies here with how they age people. But anyway, yeah. okay, maybe it's not Earth years. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe time happens differently on this salty planet, but yeah. or la not salty planet. <laughs> yeah, 
yes, on this uh, bland yes. planet. <laughs> this very bland, unsalted um, planet. Yeah, it was just, I guess I was thinking about it from two perspectives. So like, so he, we do get a hint of what her current age and what her age when she was with Bones was, but just as the actress, and this is something I think we briefly commented on in, in a previous episode as well, is that these actresses are very attractive women. Yeah. And, you know, like they're not, they're not obviously older women or they're women with, you know, very youthful appearances. So like also to just think about this actress 10 years ago, she would have been a younger, much younger woman. Like then I feel like that age gap would have been much more apparent even right. so totally. 10 years ago. Cause Bones yeah. is not, the actor playing Bones is not a very young looking man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sound superficial. It's just, striking yeah how much more i think you've said before sun exposed he looks right <laughs> <We're> <laughs> <sorry to her. laughs> yeah. like he likes to tan and that's yeah. fine and, he's he know. lives a very active lifestyle outside um yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. uv rays do stuff to your skin i get it yeah. but like the age gap was an interesting thing that i personally and, and you know this could totally be a product of us watching it today yeah um maybe it was less weird then um but yeah it was just something that stood out to me and i couldn't quite let go of right but yeah so bone sees her and she's not aged a day and you know um we of course begin to suspect that something's up because huh. of course we do it starts right of course yeah like this is you know it, the title's the man eater so that's kind of a tip off and then we have just come out of seeing the cage where we know nothing is as it seems um mm. and lo and behold uh we then see what kirk is seeing when he looks at nancy and she's she's older her hair is in a different style there's a bit more gray um i actually think they might have done some sort of like filter effect when bones is looking at her because it's all kind of soft and blurry um but when Kirk looks at her, you know, we can see some wrinkles. So that's kind of like, oh, okay. Like that's, you know, th there's something going on. He sees something different. And then we cut to what Darnell is seeing, the young man. And he starts saying like, oh my gosh, you look exactly like a woman I met on a pleasure <laughs> planet. <laughs> which raises a lot yeah. of questions in my mind. Yeah. But anyway, um, which uh, Kirk's kind of horrified, like, you know. <laughs> Uh, should we me. all be <laughs> yeah, and i think bones is actually the one who says you know watch your mouth and so darnell is yeah. you know shoot away like go outside um and we'll leave them alone uh yeah yeah so you know if that and, and not to be hung up on again age and appearance is too much but her 30 something year old appearance is also quite old like quite a bit older yes. than what i would expect a 30 something year old person yeah. not a man or woman just a person to look right like. yeah exactly like you know we're 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 kind of there's weird yeah there's definitely strange things going on although to be fair like um you know this planet doesn't have any salt so <laughs> as we find yeah out. i was gonna that was gonna be my follow-up is like it's a very dry planet you know very moisture dry. is important to moisture very important youthful in your yeah. skincare routines moisturizing super important so yeah that may have been um, challenging. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, you know, there's the, the reuniting of, of Nancy and Bones, and uh, he's here to do the medical exam. And uh, so she goes away to find her husband, Professor Carter, um, in order for them to, to do the, the medical examinations. And uh, Bones and Kirk are, you know, talking while they're waiting. And there's, you know, bringing up like, yeah, she looks 
Bones is saying, you know, like she doesn't look like she's aged today. And Kirk is like, no, no, like she's she's aged a bit. She's lovely, but she's older. <laughs> and then the professor storms in, and he's, you know, as we said, as we hinted at earlier, he's very much like, great, thanks for coming, get the fuck out. <laughs> but also, need, she has left salt. at this point, right? She's disappeared. But she's at also this point. left at this point. Yeah, she's left at this point, and actually, we see her catch the eye of young Darnell who's waiting outside and she says something like oh it's yeah. really hot out here and like throws him a rag or something I don't know and then like you know sways seductively into the dunes and Absolutely. he follows her um and and she looks like the babe from the pleasure planet she's tall and blonde and, now um, yeah and it was like that was a couple of interesting things to me at least was that in the first scene when we see her and the different people in the room or different men in the room see her different ways it made me think of illusions and that right. was an interesting thought to have at that time, especially on the heels of, for us at least, an episode about yeah. illusions. Right. And then when she's leaving, the way she appears, like it's hard to conclude if it's an illusion and he's just seeing her this way because that's how he sees her or if she's like deliberately appearing that way to him. Right. Versus in the cave or in the in the abode it was less obvious it just seemed like people were seeing her the wish the way they wished to see her yeah versus her leaving the cave it seemed much more deliberate so you like begin to doubt her intentions quite quickly yes and you begin to assume that she's supposed to be the man eater in the title of the episode which was kind of icky but you know yeah. it is it is it, there we go yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so the professor comes in and he's adamant that they don't need medical checkups, um, that he's actually quite happy with the solitude. His wife obviously needs, you know, more company because she's a woman, but whatever, like, just give us this all and get out. Um, and uh, and Bones is pretty adamant, like, no, no, like, I'm going to do the exam. We don't care what you want. And, and Kirk sort of hovering yeah. around in the background. Um, and then they're interrupted uh, by screaming screaming it's obviously a woman screaming and uh, so everybody rushes out to find now um what nancy well nancy um bent over darnell and so the the conversation that the professor and bones and kirk are having while bones is giving the exam in the pyramid um is like no no like you know it's kind of challenging bones on his view of her of like look like you're you're looking at her through you know lovesick puppy eyes like she she has aged of course yeah. she has it's been 12 years um and he's kind of like oh you know whatever <laughs> so that by the time um they go out and discover her standing over the the young darnell who's quite clearly dead um <laughs> she now looks mm -hmm. like what kirk was seeing her as so she's a bit older her hair shorter she's got gray in her hair she's you know still doesn't look yeah. 37 looks a bit older than that but anyway now is this yeah. sort of consistent like what a an age you would expect um, which is also long. again an interesting choice right. or an interesting way the story progresses because it again brings into question exactly how yeah. you're perceiving her is it her yeah. choice is choice it our or, decision yeah. like is it because she like is it an illusion is she actually controlling what you see or are you choosing to see what you see, see? her now and like yeah it now hints at the latter which wasn't as clear and it wouldn't have been my first guess based on the first couple of like interactions yeah. with her yeah. yeah so you have darnell laying there pretty dead with pretty like dead. a lot of um welts welts on his face and like yeah. he's basically done some cupping on his face which is not where <laughs> i think you traditionally do that dude i know honestly at first i thought it was like lipstick marks <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait did she just kiss him to death like 
<laughs> with a very circular mouth. Very, so, it looked kind of lip shaped. Okay, it didn't look exactly circular in first. It glance. looked very circular. Okay. It looked like yeah, it looked like you know on octopi you have like the tentacle, <laughs> like the suction cups, uh-huh. and it looked like that, but you know bigger. And, um, yeah, so it's very red, um, bruised face and he's eating this, or he's got this half chewed, you know, swollen Brussels sprout, like plant (laughs) in his mouth. It's supposed to be a Borgia or some plant. Yeah, it's the Borgia plant. Ultra toxic and very specifically toxic. And everybody's obviously distressed. So they beam his body back up to the ship. Um, and I don't recall if anyone stays down on the planet, but, um, the ship doesn't leave the planet, but they all go up onto the ship and obviously they want to take care of their dead and, um, they're curious to investigate exactly how he passed away. So they're essentially doing an autopsy and they run the plant or they haven't run the plant in the system yet. They take them on their word that it's a Borgia plant and identify exactly how that's supposed to kill people and try and determine if that is in fact what killed the person who's passed away and through a series of deductions it turns out he couldn't have died from that particular plant because there's no evidence of alkaline poisoning or whatever it was in his body but um bones being the amazing doctor that he is takes not much longer <laughs> to figure <laughs> out that while he first thought there was no reason for this person to be dead or there was no obvious cause of right. death <laughs> He eventually somehow, I don't know what the, you know, medical test for this is, but again, we're talking about a society that lives in space to some extent. Anyway, so so system disbelief. Um, He determines that there's not a single molecule of um, sodium chloride left in his body. So there's no salt in him. Basically, all the salt has been removed from his body somehow. And that is likely what caused his death. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) He's been desalsified. Pretty much. Um, And what else? Who else have we heard talking about salt? Oh, dun, dun, dun. The professor. Um, (laughs) The professor has been talking a lot about salt. So, you know, the mystery deepens. How Um, suspicious. Yeah. Over, like, during, while this is happening, kind of in the background of, like, getting the test done and figuring out what killed poor Darnell, um, we have an interesting scene between uh, Spock, who's the acting captain, and Uhura, who we're introduced to mm-hmm. for the first time. Um, and uh, and she tries to make small talk with him about, like, you know, um, I'm just stuck at my communications console. I'm a communications officer. Like, can we just chat? I just need to talk about something. Um, you know, and why don't you tell me, uh, you know, something. Um, and I can't even remember what she says, but it's very, like, I don't know, stereotypical female. Tell me what you Vulcans do for love or something. Or what do you yeah. do under a moon? She's got a great line about, like, what do you do under a full moon or something? And she delivers it great. Like, it doesn't, that, mm-hmm. I think that line feels very, um, like, female empowering of like you know i'm honest about um you know sexuality like it's great um i love it it's it's her whole character is so multi-dimensional like the only other female characters that we've encountered with dialogues who were part of this space crew in previous episodes were fine they weren't like you know whimpering or women that it felt were written by people who hadn't interacted with women or anything but they felt very like I fit into this mold of this yeah. very hyper-intelligent woman, therefore, who cannot be anything else, versus right. this hypersexual woman who, therefore, cannot be, anything, be anything else, versus, else. Yeah. like, we've seen Uhura for, like, maybe 10 seconds ten, at this point, yeah. but she comes across as, like, a real person, and, like, yeah. a real woman that we could run into the 
you know run into on the street today if, if we did you know like she's yeah. not she's not a written for tv woman she's she's a person you and i may know you and yeah. i yeah. you or i may know in real life yeah today. yeah um yeah no it's great she she comes on and and she's fully present as as a person it's awesome mm -hmm. um and so spock uh i don't you know at this point like we aren't i don't think supposed to really know too much about spock um mm -hmm. and so you know his responses are pretty dry and he says something about how you know vulcan his planet doesn't have a moon and, and she makes some comment about like well yeah no kidding like, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, um, but it's great it kind of shows you know there's um, the characters have a bit more life i feel like yeah. outside of the storyline here um because they get and, to interact uh, with each other and they don't really yeah. get that set up in the other episode the, the one cage. other episode we've seen the one other episode we've comment seen. on trends um yeah. yeah like uh i would say you know it's funny because there's a lot of like elements of this episode which you'll see in, in later episodes like a lot of the the relationships or the rapport the tone is is very defined mm -hmm um and very set in this episode which is really cool because you know yeah. there's a lot of shows where the first couple episodes they're obviously still figuring out like tone yeah. and what they want to do um but this one this you know this episode this series feels pretty notable to me and that it's like no a lot of the stuff is already there they figured it out yeah. and they stick with it for the rest of the series actually um, i want to take a second to just comment on an impression i have from this episode sure. so like i will yeah. say that both episodes we've seen so far were on the longer side, yes. Um, this one to me felt, I felt every minute we were watching, like it felt long, it felt yeah. slow at points. And like, we'll comment on this again, I'm sure when it comes up to be much more like in your face, how slow it is. But it does take time as an episode to not quite build the characters in a serious way, but definitely introduce you to who everyone is and how you can expect them to be. Or like, so you get a hint of who this person is and how they might fit into the like the quilt of the ship essentially yeah. and it takes time to do that like it's not a rushed thing like you have good long scenes where you know it's just people talking to each other like I was just saying and not with the express purpose of contributing to the man-eater plot line necessarily yeah. like it's very much you know like later on when we get introduced to Sulu and you know his little greenhouse like place with the yeah. plants that some that are very motile and alive and you have the lady who's bringing him his salad that she eats before she brings it to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like they're interacting with each other and that particular interaction sure serves as a cover to something else that's related to the episode plot but it's also just them interacting with each other and you get to see that they you know they have a fondness for each other and right. she was like a bit more of a like he's looking after her and she wants to essentially like bring a little bit more sort of like lightness to his um, professional day, essentially, it seems yeah. at least in that one interaction that we yeah. see. And so like, I really did appreciate that the episode took time to do those kinds of things. Like it's right. kind of world building, but in the sense of like building the characters that yeah. it obviously seems will continue to be very important as the show goes on and like yeah. aren't unique to just one episode, right? Like rather than spending the bulk of your episode only focusing on the carters for example who i doubt will show up again in the future for obvious reasons but yeah. like you know <laughs> you actually take the time to build the characters who will be a faithful part of the show as it progresses through many episodes and later mm -hmm. on many seasons yeah yeah 
appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. So we have our, our introduction to Spock and, and Uhura, uh, which is great. And then Bones figures out that, you know, we don't, there's no reason for Darnell to be dead. Oh, by the way, he has an assault in his body. Uh, what's up with that? <laughs> so uh, the several members of the crew, including um, Kirk uh, and Bones, I think, by being back down to the planet to talk to the professor and be like, look, mate, like what, what's going on here? Um, and there's several mm -hmm. other crew members who've come down as well, Green, and I forget who, who the other one is. Um, mm -hmm. And they they disappear because they're going to look for Nancy and I, I think for something else, I don't even remember. Oh, the Borgia plant. They want to confirm that it actually is a member of the Borgia family or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and so they also disappear at this off screen. Point, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Also at this point, we see that, um, I don't know if it's like immediately before or after, but in this series of scenes, you also see that Carter, the professor, is yelling for his wife. Like he can't seem to find her. Yeah. Either, right? right. Like when this new set of people beam down onto the planet, he's asking for Nancy. Like Nancy, where are you? And he's essentially taking bits of salt. Yeah. Actually, might be right after because like they accuse him of needing salt and finding that the body in the ship is completely removed of all salt and he shows that he has like two or three pellets left and he's like we need it it's the dry arid planet we obviously yeah. need it right but immediately after when he goes looking for nancy and this is like our very first hint at very obviously something being off is he sees her and he sees her over the dead body of another crew member who has the same suction ring marks on his faces, but he tries to essentially like call her to him like you would a dog with a treat. Yeah. <laughs> the salt pellets, right? Yeah. It's like, here, Nancy, Nancy, have some salt. Get some salt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't, does that work? I don't think. No, it doesn't work. He doesn't. No, um, she runs away. She runs away. Um, and then she modifies her appearance so she looks like one of the the dead crew members um and mm -hmm. she sort of hides the body i think they don't find the body um so they decide to beam back up to the the ship um because mm -hmm. they found nancy at this point and uh and they just take green along with them because it's green like you know he couldn't find the other you know whatever he was looking for the borgia plant do they leave someone down there to keep looking for nancy because according to them nancy vanished right right um, I don't think they take either of them. So they they want to take both Nancy and the professor up onto the ship with them to take care of them because something is going on in this planet and they don't want to leave them there. Like right. they're being generous in their assumptions and basically assuming that whatever has killed the first crew member is a risk to them as well and that yeah. they should go back with them. And the professor's mad because he's been here for five years doing his work and he doesn't want it ruined. He doesn't want it to be taken away from it. And he's also made a few comments over the course of these first few minutes indicating that he prefers to be alone and he doesn't need company and he prefers to be alone and so like this yeah. is exactly the opposite of what he would want and we have these we have at least a second crew member who's discovered dead in their second beam down to the planet and i don't think they take the professor up with them for reasons no. i don't recall right now no. um and Nancy vanishes which we know is because she changes her form to mimic the Look other like dead green. person who they yeah. don't discover who's green right. yeah and looks extremely weasley mm -hmm. um and then, <laughs> Super they, weasley. and then they all beam back up to the ship including this green you know uh impersonator and 
who continues to look extremely extremely shifty yeah and right yeah they manages to sort of wander off yeah yeah let's go back into the ship and we can scan the planet to find nancy from the ship because searching for the dunes is ridiculous right so they beam back up and green is super shifty he keeps biting his finger which is a super annoying tell but there it is um and he wanders away yeah, and very unnatural affectation yeah right <laughs> it's like alarm yeah. bells should be going off for everybody just seeing him bite his finger yeah. like that like <laughs> we, we had a second of comparing it to dr evil dr evil Powers <laughs> movies when we watched it <laughs> and i have to say i like dr evil's version a lot more i understand yes. that movie's a parody of a lot of things but like but... it's just so much more evil <laughs> yeah. yes like comically evil versus yeah. this like it's essentially if you were to take your index finger, bend it down, and like gnaw at gnaw your little knuckle for some reason. Which, yeah. Who, I mean, if someone does that, I apologize. But like, it's just so unexpected. Yeah, it's such a weird way to signal I'm an alien. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so Imposter Green, also known as Nancy, also known as Strange Shapeshifting Person. Mm-hmm. Um, wanders away and encounters um, the yeoman, whose name I can't remember. Um, and uh, she has a tray of food and she's waiting for mm-hmm. the elevator and she's eating from the tray, which oddly, like, that's odd enough of like, why are you wandering around with a tray yeah. and just eating from it? Um, and then, you know, we follow her. She gets on the elevator. She gets off. Green is, is continuing to follow her. And she takes the tray in to the little botany room, the little greenhouse. And there's Officer Sulu. And she hands it to him like, here's your lunch, sir. And he starts eating it. That I have eaten. Yeah, yeah, I've already like picked at your celery, um, which has red tops, red top celery. It's yeah. very pretty, very space age celery. Yeah. Space um, celery. And she just sort of, you know, hands it to him. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, there's no indication that like he knows that she's eaten from it. I don't know. It's just really also, weird. Not a very big meal. Like, they're no. very uh, gentle and small portion consumers, which great i guess maybe yeah. there's like nutrient pills being provided to them at some point yeah. but um yeah uh, fake green is following her around and they keep doing like close-ups on the salt cellar yeah and he really he's wants very the salt. into yeah. the salt cellar yeah he doesn't need much salt like any amount of salt is super attractive to fake green right yeah does fake green stay in the room does he come into the room the botany room he- he does i'm trying to remember though if he changes into um the swahili officer first before that no that's scene. after no that's okay after. okay yeah right so he comes into the room um but before that uh the yeoman is talking to uh a plant that she calls gertrude and i forget um what sulu called it he tried to correct her and she was like no no it's gertrude um it's literally a hand puppet like it's a <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's a green mm-hmm. tube and then someone has stuck on like a pink fluffy glove and uh, mm-hmm. that's the flower and it makes these cooing noises i think and so she's I like think... touching it and petting it and it's like cooing yeah. like oh i love you um and then uh, the pseudo green officer pseudo green comes mm-hmm. in and the plant panics and that's how we know like you know it, it definitely is him he's a weirdo yeah. and the plant is like flipping out just like yeah Wah! it is not happy about yeah. fake green being there and you know because of course all creatures that we study and form connections with must take care of us in some way so it serves as yeah. an alarm bell and right. warns us of danger because it can't just be a plant or a yeah. puppet or whatever it is right um but yeah, so the, the thing freaks out and is not okay, retreats into his little holder thing, 
And um, Green at this time has managed to leave the room somehow. And so... Yeah, he backs Sulu, out of the bales, Like, Bye-bye. Yeah, so Sulu and the yeoman aren't sure exactly what's going on, but they go and, like, comfort this plant thing, and it seems yeah. to be a little traumatized, but okay yeah. otherwise. And Green leaves the botany room and makes a call in that moment. I think he sees Uhura coming out of the elevator and right. like, looks at her intensely for two seconds and becomes this beautiful black man yeah. who it turns out is an embodiment of something that this person creature has been able to see in Uhura's either memories or imagination, basically yeah. in her mind yeah. as someone that she would want to meet in, right. in, a, in an desirable. environment. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then starts speaking to her in Swahili and she responds and essentially it sounds like he's sort of embodying this dream man that she's always wanted to encounter maybe yeah. either like in real life but in a professional capacity almost seems like a bonus yeah um and she's very into him she's like very drawn by him yeah and um I can't recall exactly why he doesn't keep that form because he does right vanish. so um, he he starts to you know he's kind of got Uhura under his spell with his slick Swahili, um, mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of there's chemistry there's magnetism and he's sort of looming in for you know what she probably or might think is you know going to be an intimate moment but we all know is like he's the murderer he's going to suck her out of salt. Yeah. Um, but as she's being paged, Kirk, I think, I think it's Kirk, is paging her over the intercom and being very insistent she's expected to respond, um, but she's not responding. And so um, I think at the last minute, just as, as Pseudo Green, who is now um, beautiful Black Swahili-speaking man, is about to go in for the kill, uh, they're interrupted. I think Sulu and the yeoman come out of the botany room and see them. And uh, Uhura's kind of like, oh, what just happened there? Mm-hmm. And finally hears her name being called and runs over to the intercom and says, I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, Pseudo Green has failed uh, to, you know, suck the salt out of Uhura. So he wanders away and encounters Bones and at this point reverts back to Nancy and, yeah. you know, corners him in his quarters and says, like, I'm scared, like, you know, keep me safe here um, and convinces him to go to sleep. Like, he's pretty tired. I think in, in an earlier scene, he says, like, he can't sleep and Kirk is like, well, just take some little red pills like you told me to. So he's yeah. not sleeping and Nancy's like, no, you're really tired. Like, you go to sleep. So she finally gets him to go to sleep and then she assumes his form as Bones. Yep. And uh, and at this point, I think they've gotten the professor on board onto the ship and they're having, you know, this conversation about like, um, oh, oh, no, no, we've missed something because Spock gets assaulted. What happens? How does that happen? When does Spock get assaulted? Spock gets assaulted. Right. Um, they've actually kidnapped the professor remember they go down spock and oh kirk, kirk and spock are on the planet yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they really want to talk to the professor at this point because like things are getting freaking weird they find yeah. i think green's body and realize like something is hella up and they finally corner the professor and stun him and be like what's going on and he explains it that um nancy died a year ago and what you see as nancy is actually the last of this alien race that really needs salt the planet has no salt it's just doing this to survive we were very happy um and you know it's like the last buffalo um which i thought was really interesting because i'm like you've got interstellar travel but you know the conception of the future here is still ecological destruction on planet Mm -hmm. earth which was Mm -hmm. like an interesting sort of take i guess on 
the future of like, you know, we can advance in physics and we can go to the moon, but we can't save, you know, the ecosystem, you know, the environment on earth. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. It was a little, it was a little too real, but like, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> very much sort of the issues you know we continue to grapple with today and like to me at least i remember when we were kids you know like think early mid late 90s like i feel like extinctions and endangered animals were just like so in our face and i yeah remember being like genuinely worried about this right like this was a thing that everybody was concerned about we are still to some extent now but i don't think like I think our our attentions and our concern and our causes are all there's so many things that like it's diluted a little bit whereas back then I guess we cared about what we were told to care about and like the pandas do you remember how much we needed to save the pandas when we were kids right so like keeping in line with that it kind of like is interesting to think that extinction and endangerment and ecological like collapse has been a concern across the decades and it was important enough to include in the show as a as a reason for like taking back, sitting back and thinking about what it is that we're doing here um, and what are the consequences of our actions and like, you know, to offer humanity to a creature that may be killing us and our people because it's the last of its kind. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was a very interesting plot point and I, I really liked that it was a plot point. Yes. Um, yeah. Much more so like it again, like to go back to, the cage it's very similar in the sense that that too was about like a dying out species right. trying to make it work trying to like re-terraform or repopulate recolonize the space that they are native to but because this creature is the last of its kind it cannot do something similar so it's like a very similar vein and almost kind of yeah. seems like it's a second version of the cage episode just right. done differently and yeah. done in a way that yeah. maybe is easier to palette or or is more palatable to a greater proportion of people yeah but yeah i really appreciated well, that ecological yeah. note there right. and it, it did make me sympathize with the creature so much more than otherwise where like yeah. previously I, I fully like sort of fell into the roles that the episode needed me to fall into right. where in the beginning you're intrigued <laughs> then you're like oh my god this is crazy kill it and protect yourselves right. and like yeah. what's going on and then you're like it's the last of its kind I'm like oh it's just surviving it's just a species right. doing what a what species it does. Does. Yeah. does yeah like the survival instinct right and it's just continuing to follow that instinct so don't kill it and then right as we get later into the episode, there's several moments of like tough choice for bones specifically. And I'm sure we'll get to it in a sec, but like, then I'm torn between killing it because it is actively harming characters that I'm much more emotionally invested in versus this like creature that, you know, we barely even get to see its true form versus like, it is the last of its kind, but then like almost doing a cost benefit analysis of it's its last, it's the last of its kind. Do they have advanced enough genetic capabilities to help it repopulate right? yeah but if not if it's the last of its kind it's not like that's going to change the fate of the species yeah because of one creature right and like we don't right. know about gender and reproduction and any of these things in this particular type of species so like it's a lot to make me think over the course of an episode about right. like salt right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like there's definitely i think like um we definitely see this in in the cage episode but we see it here too with like it's you know the last of its kind it's like the buffalo on earth like there's it's space adventure right like Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of a cowboy aspect to it but we are still presented with you know a a philosophical 
dilemma or you know something to consider that it's not just a straightforward like oh we should kill it because it's killing us like no there is something very tragic about this being the last kind the last member of its species Mm -hmm. it's you know if it's got anything like earth type biology this is it like there is no bringing it back Uh, there's no bringing the species back it is the walking dead um, yeah. But it's an individual and it's a sentient individual who, yeah. you know, can communicate with people and, and create relationships and, you know, and seduce people for their salt. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful and amazing and crazy and wild and dangerous. Um, yeah. And it operates in a completely valid way, right? Like right. Self-preservation. Human, totally. And, like, yeah. we're bringing our human perspective into yes. this. And, like, honestly, if you were to get even more relevant to current times and just, like, as a commentary on humanity in general, like... Professor Carter, not necessarily colonized, but is like infringing on the space of this future. And we don't know how quickly they were dying out. Like when he arrived, was it already the last of its kind? And, you know, he talks about how Nancy died. Was it killed by this creature? And was he like totally chill with it and totally okay with it taking the form of his wife? And they were just like coexisting. Why wasn't this creature killing him? Was he helping it subsist in some way? Right. Like, did it supplement, did he supplement it with salt? Um, well, I mean, how how much salt did he have that, right. you know, what he was providing as like a supplement was more attractive to the creature than, than him. to consume him? Like, was yeah. the creature making its own cost benefit analysis of right. like, as long as this guy gives me pellets, he is more valuable to me alive than for me to suck the salt out of him. Totally. And, <laughs> you know, like, and then also like, like, are there no water bodies on this planet? Like, yeah. aren't there water bodies that should contain some amount of salt? And if there's no water, how is Carter alive? Right. Um, so, like, yeah. you can take it quite a bit further to, like, really think about the the edges of the world that's been created. And I like yeah. that a lot about yeah. this kind of show. But also, like, it does... I don't know. It just it, it makes you think about a lot of stuff. Like why why was it okay for Carter to be there? Is it just because us as humans, now that we can explore, we must explore? Yeah, and therefore right. Anywhere we set foot on, we have the right to, to do either yeah. either explore and or exploit or save it from itself, so to yeah. speak. So like, right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That'll definitely tie in. I don't actually know if the Prime Directive comes up in the original series or if that's a thing of Star Trek Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's definitely those are questions that definitely come up in at least Star Trek: The Next Generation of like, what right does the Federation, the Starfleet, have in, in right. interacting with other civilizations that haven't attained space travel and contact yet? Right. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Um, Right, so they they get the story out of the professor. They've stunned him into compliance, and uh, and they beam him back up on board. And they're like, "Okay, man, like you know, yeah, we get it. He this is the last of its kind, but it is killing people. Like we need to, you know, we need to get this under control. At least, can you identify the creature? Meanwhile, um, the creature's there, posing as bones and sort of participating in the conversation and doing a really good job. I think of not really alarming anybody. Like, mm-hmm. you know, at one point, Kirk says, or I think Spock suggests truth serum, and the doctor mm-hmm. Bones, who's actually just the creature, is like, you know, I don't usually recommend it, but in this case okay you know which is a very smooth thing yeah. like he you know he's very slick it does a say, much like, better job of being bones than he did of being green for sure. totally right yeah and again um, like does that relate to 
embodying someone who themselves could have handled those situations like is green just like nervous and easily as an actual person and so therefore if someone impersonates him they would continue to be that or is it somehow related to this time spent interacting where like green was only interacted with as a dying person right versus like creature in nancy form has a few minutes you know that's a long time in comparison and like a really powerful emotional response from bones yeah. like if the creature's picking up on bones's emotional responses then you know, there's a lot to work with yeah um so the the pseudo bones is like yeah okay let's do it and spock is like cool i'll accompany you so they leave the room um and we don't see it happen but uh bones assaults spock and hits him over the head and then sucks the professor dry of salt because the professor has agreed to i think to identify or cooperate so no the professor refuses oh really okay the professor refuses and i think the creature just sort of in that moment like he i think the creature not he sorry the creature has been sparing the professor probably just out of like you give me salt and like you're fine you're no danger to me whatever i'll let you live it doesn't serve me to or doesn't like harm me i guess to not hurt you yeah um but in that moment the professor hasn't agreed to anything either way but like i don't think the creature like it'd be interesting again to think about how the creature how does the creature operate psychologically like can it read people because to some extent the abilities that it has implies that it does and like maybe came to a point where it realized that the professor is okay if the creature killed it like it didn't feel a sense of needing to preserve the professor because the professor himself maybe doesn't have as much of a obvious survival instinct left so mm-hmm. in that moment it was just it it checked a few boxes and so maybe that choice was made for that reason yeah yeah um yeah but but we don't we don't necessarily right. see that right because all of that's yeah. happening behind a closed door as kirk is running towards this closed door room where spock and bones and carter have gone yeah um right so the bones kills the professor then pseudo bones kills the professor sucks him dry tries to take spock down um but spock is from a different ocean as he so poetically puts it he's from a different planet evolved in a different ocean so we can assume that he doesn't have a lot of um the typical salt (laughs) in his body Mm -hmm. um and the creature rushes back to to bones and the real bones who's asleep in his quarters and reassumes the shape of nancy and is like you gotta protect me keep me safe mm-hmm. um and kurt comes in and is like that's not nancy like it's an alien and it wants to kill you um and uh, and bones is in total denial mm-hmm. like no it's nancy it's nancy it's nancy mm-hmm. spot comes in and is like no could a real nancy do this and proceeds to like assault this creature with his fists Mm -hmm. um and nancy creature is just like yeah whatever and throws him into a wall um so it's clearly not nancy anymore and uh but bones is still just like can't he like he realizes it but he can't really get with it um and then the creature assaults kirk and starts to suck kirk of his salt and bones finally pulls the trigger and kills the creature and we see it um slowly dissolve back into its natural form and i mean it looks like a yeti with with octopus tentacles for fingers basically it's horrendous 
and a macrame bodycon dress. That's right. Yes, it's got a macrame dress on. Crop top? Crop dress. Yeah. Crop thing. Yeah. Crop dress. <laughs> it looks like a dress. Like, I think it covers the lower body to some extent as well. Yeah. But we've seen, like, hints of the actual appearance of this creature in a few previous scenes as well. Like, it's getting yeah. into that. And when it dies, it resumes, obviously, that own its own form. But I think part of what, like, stuns Bone out of his sense of, like, I can't hurt Nancy is also when when the creature is going in for the, the suck, um, it also, like, paralyzes its victim and it's, like, frozen. Right. It's, like, sort of seeing Kirk helpless in the face, excuse me, in the face of, like, this impending Dude. salt, salt depletion. Salt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think all of that together, like, he still has a hard time snapping out of it, but... Yeah eventually kind of just does what needs to be done so to speak yeah 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 Yeah. it's it's an emotional roller coaster ride pretty quite a bit pretty emotional yeah 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 so i think like yeah towards the end basically the understanding on the ship is that you know nobody really wanted to kill the creature because the creature inherently was evil but it was just a matter of like self-defense really yeah day and they sympathize and i think the buffalo thing comes up again but basically like they sympathize with the fact that it is the last of its kind and it was desperate it was yeah you know just doing what it needed to do to survive and yeah like it's quite it's quite a it's quite a somber sort of end to it in that sense like we ended in a very cheerful music the theme music is great yeah, like there's That's there's nothing sad happy. about it. <laughs> yeah, so like you do close on that, but the last few, from what I recall at least, moments of the episode are a little bit muted and a little bit. Yeah, like, oh, totally. Like okay. you know, they're leaving yeah. the planet, and uh, and Bones has just been through this like super traumatic experience of like meeting an old flame, but then finding out that no, she's been dead for like a year. And but you did just have to like kill a creature who convinced you that it was her, and so you yeah, know, like, <laughs> he's been through a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he's been Bones has had a, a long day. He's had a it's very been long a day. Very long day for bones yeah Yeah, poor guy like that's probably why he looks as old as he does he's had a lot of long days a lot of long days yeah Yeah. it's very possible that that's exactly what happened yeah yeah, so that was the man trap and you know in our our very well established (laughs) um uh tradition we'd love to do now a rating so to pick our arbitrary scale on which to rate um i'd like to rate this episode on a scale of hmm borgia plants sure borgia plants yeah or salt was... we just do salt on a salt scale of so... one to salt <laughs> like what kind of salt <laughs> um i would say this is like a 0.75 salt out of salt <laughs> This clears it right up for me on exactly how you feel about this episode. I have no further questions. Uh, yes, I thought so. <laughs> so clear. So, so clear. Oh, no. Let's do it on a scale of one to five beautiful Swahili men. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's a very beautiful man. He's he is a beautiful. gorgeous man. And I just, like, appreciated sort of the things it revealed not only about Uhura and, you know, like, the sort of, like breadth of how a black person is represented in an american tv show and also like 
it made the creature seem a lot smarter than it had right. previously, right? Totally. Like, yeah. Weasley Green was not a show of strength. Convincing. So yeah. 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 Not very convincing. And maybe that really just had everything to do with, like, uh, you know, Green got killed pretty quickly. Um, so mm-hmm. not a lot of time, whereas, you know, there is a bit more time around crew members and, and Uhura, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that was a, a positive representation of the creature yeah. and of Uhura and yeah. of, of the man himself. So, yeah. yeah, on a scale of one to five beautiful, smoothly black men, um, I would rate this particular episode actually just a three. I thought mm-hmm. it dragged a little bit, and yeah. I think we missed out on this, unfortunately, but like, especially in the last scene, for example, where you know Bones has to make a decision and attack the creature yeah everything is so slow it's It's so slow like the whole thing is either being shot on or viewed on is this is what it feels like at least yeah like 0.5 0.75 x speed right and it's Mm -hmm. just it doesn't feel exciting it doesn't feel like you're drawn into the action it's very much like oh give me a second to yawn oh okay you're still doing it okay cool i didn't miss anything i didn't blink and miss anything which you know, like different different things may appeal to different people, but to me, action scenes, maybe this is just how I'm accustomed to watching them, are very sort of there's a lot of momentum, there's a lot of stuff going on, there's a lot of stuff to like keep track of, and it mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more exciting and it makes it more realistic because like I think in a lot of like adrenaline fight or flight situations in real life, you probably don't have the time to sit back and view exactly what's happening, right? Like things no. are just happening and firing away. And like, that's not the only reason for me to rate it the way I did, but like a lot of this show just, or this particular episode felt quite draggy to me. Mm -hmm. I I appreciated the introduction to the characters, but it was, it was an interesting story. There was an interesting sort of message somewhere in there. Um, But it was, it was long. Like I felt the full 40 plus minutes that I sat there (laughs) watching the show quite hard. Yeah, there was definitely, it, yeah, I agree. It felt a little draggy and especially in the last, you know, sort of 10 minutes of like, mm-hmm. well, now the creature is Bones and now we're having an interrogation with the professor and now we're going back to Bone. like, you know, step it up a little bit, guys. Yeah, yeah, this, um, is, this is very slow-mo. Yeah, um, yeah, you know what? I think I'm also going to go with three out of five beautiful Swahili men. Mm-hmm. Et voila, cool. et yeah. voila. What a what a av- what what a beautifully average score this episode yep. got. Like uh-huh. not too bad, not too good. Uh, it inspires yeah. no real strong emotion either way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which, which about sums it, right? Like yep. don't hate it. Don't like love it more than anything else in the world. I guess an interesting thing to maybe quickly comment on is if you had seen it's hard to say, obviously, because different time, you've already seen all of it, but how do you think this works as a pilot? I think it would be a pretty strong pilot precisely because it does have that element of like um you know moral or philosophical questions about what to do with the last buffalo like to me that really makes it um if you don't have that question it's kind of just a campy space cowboy show and I don't know if I'd really get into it the dialogue between Kirk and Bones um definitely like I'm you know I'm sort of I'm I sort of am watching it for the first time and that I haven't watched it in quite a while but it mm-hmm. is very familiar but I think like even if I wasn't familiar with Kirk and Bones' relationship I'd be like oh that's cute. like yeah that's cool I want to see more of that mm-hmm. um and then the Buffalo comment just like seals the deal of like okay yeah like there's something 
a bit more serious than just like running mm-hmm. around shooting lasers let's let's keep watching mm-hmm. that's fair yeah i think i think the previous one actually served a better pilot for me yeah in terms of like drawing me into the world of space exploration and space adventure and space cowboys and whatever it is versus this one like the appeal like it's all obviously it, like to some degree it's impossible to escape knowing things about star trek so like right. seeing kirk and seeing more of spock and you know like seeing the interactions that I know they're supposed to have, which obviously is what so much of the love for the show is based on. And like, you know, even if you were to watch shows like Big Bang Theory these days, like you come across some of these characters, their older selves, and like, you can't not know them. Right. So this pilot works to that, like for me as a person watching it in 2021, works for that reason and that like it's things that I know I should know that like, oh, see, I'm supposed to know this person and there they are. Yeah. But like as a plot driven introduction to this universe, I definitely thought the first one worked better for me. Yeah. Like, I don't know if on the basis of this episode alone, if we weren't doing this podcast, for example. <laughs> Would you keep going? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, and I think it actually really helps that we watch it together because I don't think I don't think I would like maybe it's just the kind of TV viewer I am. I don't know if I could just sit down by myself and watch this and actually actually like pay attention to yeah. it. <laughs> all 40 plus minutes of the show if we weren't like goofing off in the background talking about it at the same time (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so that was the man eater and the man trap (laughs) we've been been interchangeably calling it the man eater or the man trap (laughs) oh okay well i've i've thought of it as i prefer the the man eater to be honest i'm gonna keep calling it the man eater is it not the man eater no it's the man trap whoops okay i'm still calling it the man eater i feel like that's so much more appropriate all right then well i I apologize for all the misnaming (laughs) of the show but i i also think the man eater makes more sense because they were kind of eating yeah totally totally yeah this this wraps up sort of very weirdly (laughs) this ridiculous episode (laughs) um but yeah so if you if enjoyed it please definitely go tell people you like about it and yeah i'm not 100 percent sure exactly how rating and reviewing of podcasts works right now but please do so if you are so inclined and next time we'll be talking about episode three because that is a logical progression to events and (laughs) we'd love for you to watch it and join us yeah Mm -hmm. hope we hope we get to see you there yeah Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.